Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, and this is something new that we're trying out where we're picking out some old episodes and kind of giving a little bit of a reflection, maybe some updates on some kind of stuff. It also allows for us to kind of take a step back in our schedules and be able to have a little time off while still keeping our wonderful sounds in your ears while we are away. So Katie chose this first episode to kind of reflect back upon and kind of our therapists aren't robots. So we can have humanity as therapists idea and kind of just ask in kind of a lead off sort of way. What made you pick this episode? And we'll get to maybe some follow up questions here. I love this episode. It was hugely vulnerable for me. It was we recorded it at a time where I was deeply in grief and it was something that felt like it was a powerful opportunity for me to share my experience with folks and give folks advice because I have even subsequently seen folks say, "Hey, I had a death in the family or I've had this horrible thing happen. What do I do?" And and a lot of people have like take all the time you want and do all that stuff and I think we were able to talk about it in a way of like, it's, it depends on what you need. And this is what I did. And this is what I considered. And it was so close to actually the first of, of a number of deaths last year when we recorded it. And so it was, it was very fresh for me. It was, it was something that I felt like was very powerful. And, and we even got some folks saying, thank you for this, you know? And, and so especially it's been, you know, almost two years uh, since we recorded this, or I guess a year and a half since we recorded this. And I feel like it's just especially relevant for people right now to be able to really take care of themselves and and understand that we we bring our outside lives into session, the impact how we make decisions. So that's why I chose it. As you were going through and listening to this, is there new stuff that you wish that you would have said or things that you know now or stuff that you didn't recognize in yourself when you were talking about it at at the time that, oh, you wish I would have said something differently? Is uh, how How evergreen does this episode feel for you on kind of a, a distance from when we first recorded it? It feels pretty evergreen. I think I wouldn't change what I said. I think a, it, a lot of it was both 
just my truth, but also I think good advice. And I would add more <laughs> because, and, and maybe we do a follow-up episode at some point and not just a reflection, but to me, I was talking about my need for structure and, and being able to get back to work. And I recognize, you know, in the ensuing year and a half, almost two years since this all has gone down, more happened. I got COVID in the interim. There were, like I said, there were other deaths in the family and there's been a lot that I've uncovered. And, you know, this is one of those, oh yes, of course, I'm a therapist. I know this, but old patterns arose. I, you know, for a long time talked about sacrificial helping and that's an old pattern for me. And that, that showed up and I got super burned out. My body started screaming at me. I had some medical stuff that I had to take care of last year. And so to me, I would just kind of add the asterisk to all of the things that you'll listen to in the episode in just a couple of minutes that being able to kind of reevaluate and understand and get the support you need. I have therapy. I've I've been in therapy the whole time, but I, I think just being able to recognize that your old patterns might come up when you're when you have less resources and that might show up in worrying about lost revenue when you're gone or worrying about continuity of care, which is these are legitimate worries, but if you worry about them to the to the point that you're not taking care of yourself, that doesn't suggest good things for you and your practice. And then I think also recognizing that that's going to show up in your personal life. Old family dynamics might show up. And and I have no complaints with, with, you know, kind of how my personal life, the people in my life have come together during all of these things. It just is, you know, there's still old roles that we all play and stuff like that. So to me, I guess it's just listen, take in what, what works for you, make it unique to you, but also remember even more humanity needs to be understood about you as a therapist and just keep that in mind. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome back, Modern Therapist. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast about all things therapists, for therapists, the things that we do, how we are in the world. And today's episode is about our humanity of the things that come up in our personal lives that may end up affecting the things that we relate to clients. And we've touched on this in a number of episodes before, but potentially having a little bit more nuanced conversation here today. This is a topic that's been discussed in the literature for quite a while. And Katie and I have heard varying pieces of advice. We've given different advice and I think that we're going to summarize this a little bit later in the episode. As we're going into this, Katie, when you think of humanity, at least from the therapist side, what comes up for you? A lot of things come up. I mean, when I first started as a clinician, I talked with a supervisor about some of this stuff, about being a human, about things that come up. And at one point I was I was having uh physical ailments that meant that there were times I may not be able to stay present in the session. And even in in talking about how to manage that, you know, oh, I'm sorry I got to quickly take care of something in another room. <laughs> you know, whatever it was, there there always felt like and this was obviously like 20 years ago, uh there was always this thing of trying to hide anything that might be bothering me, 
physically wrong with me, anything that was happening to me. And so I have that element of it, which is like, okay, you know, the the training on the bank blank slate and and being completely neutral in session, which we've talked about a million times around uh, that that's just can't exist. <laughs> and we'll we'll link to a lot of these episodes in the show notes. But then I also reflect on how much time I spent in kind of milieu settings at clients' homes. Um, we even talked about some of this in the non-traditional therapy settings episodes re- related to walking and falling down or or having some of those situations. And so to me, being someone who's had life happen over the last 20 years, and and we'll talk about some recent stuff as well, as well as someone who's got physical ailments and is just super clumsy. I, I I show up as me in session all the time and that's not something that I can hide. And so to, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation today because I think it's something where a lot of therapists struggle with sorting through how much humanity can they bring into the room or into the relationship. And I, I something I feel like I've managed until recently and I feel like I'm grappling with it again. And so it's a tough one. The framework that we're going to follow here in our episode is from an article from apaservices.org called Occupational Vulnerability for Psychologists. This was prepared by Karen Sackveen. I'm hoping that I pronounced that right. And this is from 2008. I think it holds up still pretty well. And speaking to some of the nuance of we're humans in this field that We are going to have life things that come up, things that are going to affect our work, things that are going to affect ourselves and potentially impact our clients. This is a a proposed uh, framework that looks at a lot of different dynamic factors that I think it helps to maybe frame this as, I think a lot of the advice that we get early on in our career is air towards that blank slate side. Sure. And it's potentially because there's maybe a belief that new therapists don't know what they're doing and therefore there's safer advice in not risking sharing too much in order to not put an emotional load onto clients. I'm also going to make a suggestion that there's probably some patriarchal gender bias in that, that a lot of theories and stuff are based out of men who are socialized to not share a lot of emotions, that having even more straightforward rules of not sharing things. And it doesn't surprise me that potentially over the last 30 or so years, as the demographics of our field have shifted, that the conversation around this has shifted. And and I think that it's probably more likely that those who practice in settings like Katie was describing, those who practice from more humanistic models or social justice-oriented models uh, might be more open to sharing things. First and foremost, I think that we have to talk about you as the individual. And you as the individual therapist, and that's what's outlined first here in this APA article, we each have our own personal histories. And that is going to affect a lot of things. It's going to affect our choice of where to work, the clients that we work with, how we work. And part of it's really just taking ownership of yourself first. When when we're talking about our personal histories, I think there are the things that 
we're still working on and and need to be aware of and continue to show up for ourselves whether it's in our own therapy or in other things there are things that are are in our personal history or part of who we are now that maybe may lead us to be impaired and, and we have a whole episode on impaired therapists so i won't go there but there's that argument that some folks have that if we can't be perfectly healed we shouldn't work with any clients and i think that we can still be impacted by our personal histories and work with our clients. Sure. The nuance is determining, does that impact which clients you take? So some of it may be about whether or not we can kind of curate our clients to be able to support who we are competently, confidently able to work with. We go into some of that nuance and is it discrimination, that that episode as well. But to me, I think that acknowledging and being very aware of ourselves helps us with some of this personal history stuff. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. This takes a lot of our own internal process in order to get to that point. And I think that, you know, this is something where we are not as a field very good at encouraging emotional discussion from therapists, from, you know, trainees, from supervisees that if you overshare in therapy, then, or in supervision, then you're going to be seen as not predictable enough. But if you Mm -hmm. under prepare, then, you know, you're at least going to be towards that blank slate end of things. And that's at least going to make things nice for clients. But how often do we hear from each other and from our audience as far as just like, oh, some of those vulnerability sort of things are what actually humanized you and made me want to work with you more. There's such a gatekeeping process around emotions just that are allowed to even come up. And it's that we're not taught how to reflexively demonstrate those in supervision that can then have some sort of an enactment in our therapy sessions that teaches us how to do this well. And so we get kind of this vague advice of like, you know, go and do your own work, go, go to therapy, figure your stuff out when really some of this stuff could be modeled a little bit better in the way that we teach people of like, here's, here's the how of how you show up. I think we're focused too much on like the what of what you're allowed to say. And therefore it becomes kind of restrictive rather than 
supportive in this process? We've gone through that supervision relationship and these things in other episodes. And I think there's there's so much nuance there that we can't d- dive deeply into that. But I think kind of summarizing that point, I think we're saying know what, what impacts you, have emotional conversations, get consultation or supervision that allows that to happen and and be aware that you can't avoid it. And so if we move on to other elements of of things that could be vulnerable in session, we're really looking at what's happening now, right? Like the right. things that happen as they, they go along. And I think those things are harder because sometimes they can be predicted. Like I, we had a conversation on, you know, pregnancy and therapists preparing for that and subsequent episodes around pregnancy loss and those kinds of things. But I think it, it's something where we've talked about predictable things, but there are also things that are very unpredictable that can happen in our lives. Family emergencies. I recently had a a personal family emergency and a death in my family. And so I've been recently dealing with something that's very sudden, very surprising that I've had to then navigate with my clients. And I, I think to me, what was surprising about it is this is, I think, one of the most impactful things that has happened in my life. And I had had other deaths happen while I was a therapist. I've had, you know, my own fertility journey as a therapist. I've had so many things, but this one was surprising because in trying to be present, I had to navigate different elements of my relationships with my clients. And to me, I think it felt a little bit like I was starting fresh. And so I I know you've had other big things happen in your life as well. I think we've mentioned in previous episodes that you had a a major bicycle accident. What was your experience in trying to navigate those things? Because I think when we can prepare for it, when when it's something we're bringing to the table, I think we have, although not enough guidance, we have some guidance. But when there's something all of a sudden that happens in our lives that deeply impact us, I think that's where it becomes much harder because we're so human in those moments. It definitely brings up the humanity. And those things that are hidden, the relational things, the grieving things that you're talking about. And then there are the things that absolutely make it into the room. You know, my bike accident, I had my jaw wired. I've had other surgeries in the time where I've had, you know, bandages on my hands that are obviously different things from the last time that I've seen people. And this comes down to personality and work styles too is you know mm-hmm. i'm somebody that hey all right you're bringing it up let's talk about it or i know that you're the kind of person who's going to bring it up so i'm going to bring it up at first just to kind of alleviate the discussion about it as much as possible and it's kind of with that reassurance of like i'm all right i'm getting treated for this this is me yeah. showing up in my humanity that the vast majority of my clients were like, oh, you're not making a big deal about it. We'll spend our couple of minutes and then move on with our lives. I think it's a lot harder when it comes to those hidden or covert yeah. sort of things that are going on in our lives. With those particular things, all of my clients could see what was going on with me. It's some of the other things that they can't see that fill out the rest of my life. I'm okay talking about it now, but several years ago, I got a phone call from my wife right before going into sessions. And she said, hey, the test results are back and I have cancer. Mm -hmm. Not having really the opportunity to process that 
on my own time, even before going into sessions, but something that I really didn't share with clients until after her treatment was over, that it was something that my population didn't really have the need to know that, that if I had to rearrange appointments to, you know, help be a part of treatment or any of those kinds of things, it was just kind of business as usual, as far as my clients were considered. And it wasn't so much a, you know, super conscious, like I'm not wanting to talk about this. Uh, It was more of a selective, like this really doesn't impact my clients right now. Yeah. When I got the call recently, I knew I needed to cancel everything for the next couple of days. And I, I basically just canceled and said, I'm there's a family emergency I'm dealing with. And so there were folks that knew it was an emergency. And then there was also folks who were scheduled who I sent out an email or a text or those kinds of things saying that I had a, an unexpected death in the family. And I only told folks who were scheduled or trying to schedule in those weeks. And that felt very strange to me because those folks, there's the conversation about it. It is one of those things that's a little bit more private. I don't know, hidden or covert sounds like I'm trying to purposely hide something, but it's it's something that's more private where me grieving and going through that is not something that necessarily is relevant to my clients as long as I'm paying attention to my own level of competence and being able to be present for my clients. But it's it's interesting because there's I'm I'm seeing the difference between the clients who know and the clients who don't. And I I feel like as a therapist, I'm present and I'm taking care of myself. But for the clients who know, and some clients know exactly, you know, not exactly what happened, but more detail than others, just depending on the relationship. And that was more in the conversations. But I'm finding clients checking in with me. I'm, you know, there are definitely clients who this has brought stuff up for them, which is not necessarily something that I want to process with them. I feel like I know my limits of capacity there. I don't want to be processing this major loss with my clients. And I also understand that they may have their own stuff that I'm trying to figure out how to help them process. But I'm also finding with some of my clients that they're wanting to check in and they're seeing this as an example of how to manage a big loss. And so I'm talking about structure and meaningful activity is helpful to me. And I'm making sure to pay attention to my energy and I'm focusing in on this and this is how I'm doing it. And I'm okay, but this is clearly a loss that's going to be hugely impactful. It's life-changing. And some of them know what that is. And so I've, I've had clients get teary, actually start crying. There was times when I've had to redirect because they feel like, well, but what I'm bringing to you isn't even as important as what you just are going through. So how do I even be a, you know, how do I even be a client here? And I've been able to successfully redirect those clients, but I, I feel like it's been such an interesting process because I'm having such a wide array of experiences in navigating this. All the while, grieving and trying to sort out how do I be a therapist during this time? And I feel like I'm doing it okay, but I, I also, am, this is a traumatic loss. This is something that I don't even know what's going on for myself. And so, so it's really, it's really interesting. So a couple of things from the APA article that you're highlighting here is in evaluating both the psychotherapy relationship, the, the actual relationship that you have, I would guess that you're probably looking at some of the clients and how long you've been working with them as part of this decision-making process. Like if there's a brand new client, like not a great thing to just be like, 
hey, I'm going through this super emotional, vulnerable thing on my own right now. It's a lot different if this is a long-term client that you've been with for several years. Part of it's, you know, as you know, some of the clients that if this is going to be something that, you know, potentially has a possibility of triggering or re-traumatizing them about something going on in their lives that you're going to be a lot more selective about. Yes. And I I think that it's interesting because I did have, um, I've had some newer clients that I've had to navigate this with who I did have to cancel, knew that there was a loss. And I was able to do it at a very high level where it's like, I'm okay, I'm managing it. This is how I'm taking care of myself. And we moved on. Whereas longer term clients are more interested in exactly what happened and taking care of me. I think the other thing, and this is in this article, is the clients who typically seek me out you know, we've talked about I do sacrificial helping syndrome and <laughs> and I have caregivers. And so I also was very aware through this process and continue to be aware that there are some of my clients that will want to take care of me because that's why they came for therapy. And so I'm I'm trying to very actively engage in some of that dynamic with them to help them to see how they get their needs met, how I'm taking care of myself and and being able to do that because it's it's just it's very interesting to be able to sort this out, but it's it is very much case by case for my clients. And you know, part of what we also have to talk about here is you and I both work in private practices that mm-hmm. can tend to be more intimate just in their expectations. Yeah, uh, it's potentially different than higher need work settings where some of the vulnerabilities just might not be as appropriate, um, just due to you know the needs level of clients in those particular situations. And I think with those situations, oftentimes when I've had bereavement or other kind of big things going on in my life, I had you know, 27 clinicians who could take on each one of my cases and and have that covered. And it was something where there was structure set in place for there to be a full treatment team and other people available. Now, everybody's overwhelmed and busy, so that's never a good plan. But But there wasn't something where it's like, I see them or I have a colleague who has a little bit of capacity who could potentially see them or be available to them. And they're not likely to actually take me up on it. It's it's that planning is very different in private practice versus an agency, because in an agency, there are a lot of other people that have their eyes on the case. Part of this speaks to, you know, just kind of the the roles that we have as you're demonstrating here that, you know, if you're in those case manager situations, you can step in, you can assign other people to it, that there's a universality of experiencing vulnerability. There is not a universality of how to handle it, especially with these unexpected situations that arise. That kind of nuance is what's sorely lacking in the way that we talk about this in our field, because we tend to, especially earlier in our careers, want nice structured, here's you know how the answers are. And the longer that we practice, the more that we understand kind of the it depends of the situations and that it depends isn't necessarily the same from one client to the next. Now, some of the risks that come along with that, though, is that what you're talking about, your clients are not bound to the same confidentiality that 
yeah. you are. And another, you know, consideration just as far as your workplace goes is just going to be that if one person finds out, whether it's another staff member, whether it's a client, potentially everyone knows, even if it's not something that you necessarily know that some of your other clients can and should be aware of. With social media and all of those things, like I typically am fairly private, but I have been a little bit more open sharing obituaries, for example, or other things that are going on. I still try to keep it with just friends, but, you know, friends of friends and screenshots and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it is important to remain aware of those things. And it is important to to continue to to kind of take care of myself within those things because a client may pop up and say, hey, I heard about death in your family. Why didn't you tell me? And, and I, I honestly am trying to both take care of myself and my clients in doing so because any moment of talking about the death in my session can be clinically appropriate, but maybe more challenging for me to be able to refocus on the session. And so it's, it's, a, weird, it's a weird balance that I'm trying to strike. And it's set in this context of in society, especially Western society, U.S. society, we don't know how to manage grief as it is. There's expectations either that you are destroyed and, and can't do anything or that you are out for three days and then back to work with no problems or anywhere in between. But the nuances of this becomes very hard to, to navigate. And different clients know different things. There's stuff publicly that people can find. And there's also the strangeness of the relationship as a therapist with a client on what actually is in that relationship. What do we what do we owe our clients? What information do they need to know? How well do they need to know us? And and that's also and it depends based on client by client. But it's it's just such a strange thing to navigate because there's not I don't think there's clear guidance as society on how we talk about these things, much less as therapists, where we're supposed to have this higher level of functioning because we have to take care of our clients. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. You know, kind of one last point as, as far as how we're talking about the way that this is expressed in early career clinicians. Scovalt and Ronstad had a 2003 write-up that talked about how novice counselors struggle to find the balance between porous and rigid emotional boundaries. New counselors try to work on that balance between rigidity and under-involvement with the client and softness and over-involvement with the client. And I think that part of this is, again, towards that when in doubt, be safe. But as you're highlighting here, there's a lot of just other available information about us. I think as we become more seasoned in our work and part of this is some of these things end up happening and coming up, we get better at handling the awkwardness of situations when clients who might not want this information, might not be ready to handle this kind of information about us, that we get better at handling those ambivalent situations that could be therapeutic ruptures if it wasn't handled gracefully or in those times when it's not, that we're 
better at being human in our responsiveness to some of those mistakes. I really want to to highlight the rupture element because I think that there are times, you know, being a therapist for 20 years or more than 20 years at this point, there have been ruptures based on my own humanity. And there is certainly have been things where I've not been able to be as present for my clients because what's going on with me. To really highlight the point you just made, I think there's that element of we can be human. There are times when our humanity is going to mean that we are doing unethical or illegal work, you know, and so we have to do the best that we can to not show the humanity in that way. You know, that's the impaired therapist thing. That's the <laughs> the other episodes that talk about that element. But but there are times when my physical health has not been up to snuff and I've not had the the spoons or the bandwidth to be able to to interact appropriately with clients and have had and said things that were not helpful. Sometimes they actually were disruptive, and we can, we can <laughs> reach back to the the notes uh, episode on on uh, <laughs> documenting things that are disruptive because you're overwhelmed. To me, if you are unable to be fully present and vulnerable and recognize within yourself, this was about me. And is that okay with the client? And if not, how do I get to a place where I can actually process that with them and be available to them in a way that's helpful? I think that's where we get in trouble. We harm the client if we don't acknowledge, if we don't apologize, if we don't repair, if we try to pretend something didn't happen. I think that's that's where we can get into trouble and that's where we can actually be harmful. But there will be ruptures based on our humanity, hopefully not gigantic ruptures. And certainly if your humanity is your drunken session or you're sleeping with your clients, no thank you. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you're grieving or you're worried or you're jacked up on hormones or whatever it is sure. that is going on that means you need to be extra aware, extra available to your clients and have the conversation with your clients of if I'm doing something that's not helpful or you're not sure what's going on and how we're interacting, let me know and actually seek that feedback and have those open conversations. I think that's when the the blanket don't share anything is more helpful because if you if you can't sit with clients telling you like hey I didn't like your response to that or you seem really spaced out right now or you know you're the way that you're talking about these things don't make sense to me if your clients can't say those things to you you have to be more accountable to your humanity than if they can and i like that you're bringing up that the ruptures can also happen in the absence of saying anything, when your clients are picking up that there's something going on with you, that you're not available, that you're not you know, following up on extra resources between sessions. Do you have any suggestions as far as like when those clients do step up? Like, hey, I've, I've been expecting more of you. You're not showing up where you might feel compelled to disclose something more than what you're prepared to share at that time. When I've had more of those types of conversations with clients. I mean, it always goes to it depends. There's been some clients where they've read into things that weren't there. And so I've talked about, I'm sorry, I had a headache, you know, and it was it was not something that was personal. It was, hey, I didn't mean to do harm. I see what you're saying. And it really was a headache. And it's not some 
other thing that you're talking about. And and that doesn't always work. Like just kind of saying like, hey, it, it is something, but not what you think. Let's move on. But recently I had a client that disclosed something really personal to me that hadn't been shared and longstanding client. And it was something where I had my own response to it. And I was kind of busy trying not to over emote about what I was hearing because I was so heartbroken for this client. And I was disconnected. And when this client reached out to me and said, hey, I felt really invalidated because you were disconnected. We were able to have the conversation and I was able to say, hey, my intent was to take care of my own emotions in that situation. It was something where I was also exploring my own potential responsibility of, of not being able, of you not feeling comfortable to share that with me prior. And now let me share with you my responses. And what that gave was an opportunity for me to actually process through. And it was something where I was able to then say, hey, this was what was going on for me without it being so raw in the moment. But in truth, I think it's it's hard to have a blanket. Like if someone says, hey, you're not present, you know, what's going on with you? Because I think there is so much nuance. For some folks, it could be as simple as saying like, yeah, I've been, you know, really overwhelmed or I've been working on something and it was distracting to me. I apologize. Let me get back on track. For others, it might be what you're bringing up is something that really is very resonant for me. And so I'm working hard to manage my reaction so I can be present for you. And other folks, you know, like I said, there's clients that have asked what exactly happened and how are you handling it? And I've been saying like, this is what happened. This is what's going on. And this is how I'm handling it. And and needed that true humanity and self-disclosure that then allowed them not to kind of make up their own stories in their head about what I was doing and how I was taking care of myself. And so I don't think there's one answer, but I think being present to your clients in those situations and reaching out. And sometimes it's even like, hey, you're having a reaction, what's going on? And then that gives them an opportunity to say, well, like, I didn't like what you just said right there. Mm -hmm. You know? So I, I don't know if that answers your question completely, but I think it's that that element of being as present and human as possible in the room, recognizing that there is the therapist version of humanity that kind of sits there that that has some of these extra boundaries in place so that you're not saying like, yeah, I, I'm really pissed at my spouse or I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a moment or I don't know I want to be a therapist anymore or whatever that is. You know, like I think there are things that we don't, there's, there's humanity we don't share with our clients and there's humanity that if we can curate, that's maybe that's not the right word, but if we can thoughtfully and deliberately choose how we share our humanity with our clients and open ourselves to them being available to that, then we can, I think, have deeper, richer relationships where clients feel truly heard and seen and connected. I think to maybe give you a direction to go here on this is if you're going through something, mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to make the decisions yourself. That you're allowed to be human, but consultation is always a great idea. Yes. And get some other perspectives and, you know, join our modern therapist community and know that we have a pretty good following of people that, you know, understands thinks in very much similar ways to the way that Katie and I do. And 
rely on those who have been there before to help you guide you through some of this process. You can find our show notes over at mtsgpodcast.com. And you can also join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group. Follow us on social media. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 